With a country divided, the republic at risk, and morality being redefined, it's time to gather around the campfire, get back to basics, and spark the revival that this country so desperately needs. This is the American Campfire Revival with Kirk Cameron. For those of you who may be new to the American Campfire Revival, uh, we love God, we love our family, we love our country, and rather than placing our hopes in others to figure out how to solve problems, we want to place our hopes in the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. We, we understand that our hope is, is not a political hope in America. Our hope is a spiritual hope and the power of God working in the hearts of his children and the family of faith. And that's what we're endeavoring to do, to, uh, to believe those executive orders that he's given us, which are, if his people will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek him with all of our heart, that he'll hear our prayers, he'll forgive us of our sins and heal our land. So that's what we're here to do. That's, that's what we're all about. So I want to read to you this evening um, out of the Holy Bible. And uh, in fact, I've got it opened up here to uh, a special passage and I'm using it as a bookmark. This is, this is actually a, a hospital bracelet that I clipped and used as a bookmark. Uh, my wife, Chelsea, uh, was in the hospital last year for something. She's doing great now, but it just reminds me to pray for her and thank God for her health. Uh, I'm going to read this to you. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I want to hold right there and just share with you a thought tonight about the greatest love that's ever been demonstrated for you and for me. Jesus died for a certain type of person. Do you ever ask yourself, uh, who would you die for? What type of person would you die for? Would you, who would you die for? Would you literally lay down your life for anyone that you know? Maybe you could think of one or, or a few. Maybe your kids. Maybe some, someone who you feel indebted to. Listen to this. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So, what were, what, what kind of people did Jesus die for? Well, if I'm going to say Jesus died for me, and I, and I want to say Jesus died for me, I have to admit that I am part of the powerless and the ungodly. What do you mean powerless? Well, you read through God's word and he, and he talks about the fact that, that you and I, and I can attest to this, I am powerless to fix my greatest problem and that is the distance I've put between me and God because of my selfishness. I have a sin problem. I have a pride problem. And I'm powerless. I don't have the strength to repair what I have broken in regard to my relationship with the one who made me. And I have to admit that I'm part of the ungodly if I want to say Jesus died for me. What does that mean? I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I could say I'm, maybe I'm, not, I'm not the godliest person in the world, but am I really ungodly? Well, you know, a, a quick way to determine that is for us to look into the mirror 
of God's moral law and, and judge for ourselves if we think we are godly or ungodly. I mean, I look in the mirror every morning. Do you? Uh, do you look in the mirror this morning before you went out in public? Yeah, why do you do that? Well, a friend reminded me, we do that because we want to see the damage that had been done through the night, right? And we don't curse the mirror for the damage that we see. We are actually grateful for the mirror so that we can do something about it. We can wash our face. We can clean up before we go public. Well, God's given us a mirror in the form of the Ten Commandments so that we can see ourselves the way that he sees us in truth. So check this out. Um, a couple of the Ten Commandments. The first one um, I want to point out is, uh, have you ever lied? How many lies do you think you've told in your whole life? That's the Ninth Commandment. You shall not lie. More than you'd want to admit? Okay, what does that make us if, if we've lied? It makes us liars. Have you ever stolen anything? That's the Eighth Commandment. Even if it's small. Yes? Okay, if, if you have, what does that make us? That makes us thieves. Uh, Jesus, about the seventh commandment, said, you shall not commit adultery. And then he said, but I tell you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Have you ever looked at another person with whom you are not married, with lust in your heart? If you have, God sees that as adultery of the heart. He judges right down to the thought level, the secrets of our hearts. And so if we just look at those three commandments, those moral standards, if we've said yes to those, then by our own admission, we're liars, thieves, and adulterers at heart. That makes us part of the ungodly. I'm going to keep reading here. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. What's that? Well, a righteous person. Well, you could say that that's a, a person who's right with God, but, but you know, I, I can think in my mind of a lot of people who think they're really righteous, you know, like really religious people. I'm talking about religious Ralph, the guy who's going to church eight days a week, doing all the right religious things. He's checking off all of the boxes, you know, uh, Johnny Dogood, Jenny Genuflect, uh, 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 righteous religious Ralph. The people who are, who just seem to be holier than thou and sort of pride themselves on their religious correctness. There's a lot of those kinds of people. You probably know a few. It says, rarely will someone die for a righteous person. Especially people who think they're really righteous. I don't know. Would you die for a really religiously righteous person? The Bible goes on to say, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. For a good person, I can think of some good people. I can think of my wife. I would lay down my, wife, my life for her. Can you think of a good person you'd lay down your life for? The Bible says that someone might lay down their life for a good person. But God, here's the, here's the verse, but God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The greatest demonstration of love is not that someone would die for a righteous person or a good person, but that God died for people who were neither righteous nor good. Hey guys, it's Kirk here. Did you know that another option to traditional insurance even exists out there? 
I get that it may come as a surprise since we're so conditioned to think traditional insurance is our only option, but that's simply not true. My family has been using Christian healthcare ministries over the last several years, and I cannot recommend them enough to other like-minded believers looking to do things differently than what we've been told to do. CHM is the faith-based alternative to insurance. And most importantly, with CHM, we know that our money is going to help other fellow Christians when they're in need. And this is how we like to steward our dollars when it comes to healthcare. Are you tired of your healthcare the same old way and want to do things the better way? I highly recommend you start by checking out CHM and see if this is an option that could work for your family's healthcare. It does for ours. It's not harder, but it's different in the best way. Learn more today by visiting chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. Again, that's chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. For example, you and me, the ones who are powerless and ungodly, sinners, that's me. And God demonstrated his love for people like us who are not righteous and not good, but ungodly, powerless, and trapped in sin. That is the greatest demonstration of love the world has ever seen when Jesus died roughly 2,000 years ago. I heard a great story that illustrates this so beautifully, and I want to share it with you tonight. Imagine in your mind an African chief. This is the chief of a tribe, and he's a good man. He's a good king, a good chief, and he has a son whom he loves, and he's a great father, and all of the people in his tribe and his kingdom love him because he is just and good, and he protects them with his laws of justice, and he hears that there is mutiny that has been planned to overthrow his kingdom. And he sends out a warning that this mutiny, this coup, needs to be stopped immediately. And that whoever was the leader of this coup, if they would confess and turn themselves in, that he would show them grace. But if they wouldn't, and if they were caught, they would suffer the punishment of ten lashes as a just punishment for their crime. 24 hours went by and nobody, nobody confessed. And so the punishment went up to 20 lashes. By the third day, it went up to 30 lashes. It went up to 50 lashes by the fifth day. For those, for that person who was planning to, to overthrow the kingdom. And by the 10th day, it reached 100 lashes. This was more lashes than anyone could survive. And finally, the criminal was brought to the chief and the chief discovered that the leader of the coup was his own son whom he loved and the people were wondering what would he do would he compromise his justice because of his love for his son or would he actually go through with justice for principle's sake and the just chief who loved his son, ordered that his son be tied to a tree. Maybe like this one right behind me. He was tied to a tree. And then the executioner came 
and he was told to 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 dole out a hundred lashes for the crime. And as the punisher pulled back his whip to mete out justice, the chief told him to stop. The chief took off his own robe and exposed his bare flesh, walked to his, his son tied to the tree and wrapped his arms around his own son to expose his own back to the punisher. And he said, begin the lashings. And one after another, the king, the chief, took the punishment that his son deserved to satisfy the demands of justice and also to demonstrate his great love for his son. The people were in awe. He did not compromise justice, and yet his love toward his son swallowed up all of that justice as he sacrificed himself and took the punishment upon his own flesh. This is a great story that begins to illustrate what God did for you and me on the cross. God, in the person of Jesus Christ, Jesus and the Father were one. God in Jesus Christ, in essence, took your punishment and mine for the crimes that we've committed against God, our lying, our theft, adultery, adultery of the heart, failing to love God and our neighbor as ourself. And he took upon himself the punishment that we could not handle. He absorbed the wrath of God, the just punishment for your sin and for mine, so that we could live the Bible says that Jesus died on that cross to demonstrate God's great love for people like us, the type who don't deserve it, the type who are powerless to, to fix our sin problem ourselves, and that he rose from the grave. Death couldn't hold him. And then he commands you and me to turn our whole hearts to God and put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. If, he, if we will do that, God promises us again in his word that because the demands of justice were satisfied by Jesus' own self-sacrificing love for you and me, we can walk out of the courtroom legally dismissed and no longer have to pay the penalty for our own guilt because someone paid that penalty for us on our behalf. And he will wash us clean. We will be set free. And he'll actually transform us at the heart level, make us new creatures by the power of his spirit. And he'll give us a new heart with new desires and we'll begin to love the things God loves and hate the things that God hates. And we're not perfect when we enter into the family of faith, when he adopts us as his sons and daughters, when we place our faith in Jesus, it doesn't make us perfect, but it makes us forgiven. And he begins the transforming work of empowering us to live out our heart's greatest desire. 
and that is to love God and to love one another. This is the great demonstration of God's love that I wanted to share with you on Valentine's Day. And I hope that you will take God up on his offer and obey his command to turn to him with all of your heart and put your faith in the one who died for you. That's the message uh, tonight. And I hope that there's something supernatural about your receiving those words, that there's some kind of a fire that is kindled inside of your heart and that you'll live out that 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 message of the gospel with your husband, with your wife, and with your kids first, and with your neighbors as well. And invite them to join us around the campfire. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the American Campfire Revival Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more and join the movement, visit KirkCameron.com.